0: Thank you
1: Hello everybody, welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello and good morning.
0: Hello, and good morning, everybody. Most of the time I'm here. <laughs> Most of it. the
1: time, Yay. not all the time. Uh, awesome. Yes, for those of you in chat who are watching the YouTube stream, uh, that was Mrs. Jordan, as everyone's been calling her, uh, running around doing some awesome stuff. She's uh, she's just a great human being, and I'm going to talk about how wonderful she is, and maybe she'll hear me. Maybe not.
0: But Is is her pH silent? Maybe
1: hers uh, isn't. I, I don't know. Oh, there she is. Maybe Hi. it's not. <laughs> You you were you were just briefly in the camera because I have this camera pointed that way so yeah and everyone like oh it's Mrs Jordan yeah, so yeah no that's who you are now You're Mr. Shannon. I miss okay I'm Mr Shannon is that's what we there were, you we go get again. Um, welcome everybody we are a Dungeons and Dragons podcast talking about all things D and D in the world of role playing games and lots of stuffs going on uh, for one there's a little book that came out called uh rhyme of the frost rhyme of the frost maiden icewindale yeah. book um and that is out have you have you looked at it have you done anything with it can, do we, can we even talk yes, about it today
0: i know yeah no i think you can because you got yours so that's good i was so busy this week i've not got down to the game store i want to do that maybe this weekend to pick up my cover i've still got a v- I always hem and haw when I get there, which cover I want. Do I want one of the special edition ones or the regular one? And you brought up a good point about which cover to choose. Um,
1: yeah, so we I talk about to. this, I think, every time a new book comes out. Yes, yes. And it's like, well, what cover do you get? And sometimes, like, uh, let's see, the the Morden Canaan cover, I don't think mm-hmm. I cared for that one. And the Saltmarsh, uh, and I'm talking about the alternative covers. the salt marsh cover um is uh going to be or i didn't like that one as much either it was just the big uh fish one so um with that in mind uh i did like this cover these are Mm -hmm. the hydro 74 covers correct yeah okay um so did you make a decision
0: not yet not I either. always get there and I hold them in my hand and I think, mm,
1: what <laughs> do I want? <laughs> um, I have people talking to me. I apologize. Uh, that's why I'm a little space cadet right now. Uh, I do not get the special edition covers because I like all of my books to match on the shelf. Yeah. And uh, although now I'm kind of building, I'm, I'll, and I'll show this maybe next week. I'll point the camera if I can finish the wall. But I'm gonna point. I have a. I have my Forgotten Realms map over there. This is my gaming room. And I bought the uh, the Spirit Halloween Drist swords. And I think I'm going to mount them on the wall on either side of my map. And then I want to build a shelf where I can put all of my 5th uh, edition adventure books up. Mm-hmm. And just have them sitting there looking cool so you can see the art and all that other stuff. If Then it would be really cool to have the special edition covers. Or the Beetle and Grimm stuff for all that other things that come with a lot of the cool art and what have you. Um, but... I don't
0: know. You know, it'd almost be nice if they just, I don't know if it's eight by 11, but it's about the size of a piece of paper. If they just sold like little sheets of all of those art that you could then either collage them together or you could put them on different things and they're just, you know, thin pieces of paper, but it has the really nice looking art on it. Um, or maybe it's a really nice paper too. So it has the texture and the feel to it that becomes. Yeah. Of
1: cool. No, they need to have a poster. um yeah like the poster option because i like i really like the alternative cover for tasha's uh, cauldron of everything mm-hmm. but i don't want that as the book cover like i want that as like a really nice poster on the wall and mm-hmm. i will pay for that <laughs> i'm like you yeah. need to have a place where i can just buy the the paster i think that's really cool i like it um but anyway yeah i picked mine up on amazon i know it's like so amazon cool shipped to, it Got i know it, it's nerd. not cool to support your Like I need to support my local game store, but like uh, I just am busy and I can't get out there. And for talking about it and review purposes and being in the know, I like to get it. And Amazon does the same day delivery, Uh, so I did that route. Um, And actually, I had uh, the baby went to sleep really early last night, Mm. and so I um, was like, "Well, I have all this free time," Uh, and I was going to work on some videos, but then I decided I wanted to just sit down and really read. Uh, frostmated. So I got through the whole thing last night. I didn't meticulously read it, but I went from okay, this chapter is kind of going over here, and this is the main story, and then the story takes us here, and they have to battle this guy. Um, and my initial thoughts is it's really fun, um, and one of the things I liked about previous things that they've been making, uh, we'll talk about, uh, what is the word? Uh, uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh. Mm-hmm. I liked that for how
0: That's a great book.
1: It is a great book. And I really liked that book for how open it was um, in Mm -hmm. the sense that you, it was very modular. I think that's the word I'm looking for. So if I wanted to start a party at fifth level, I could, and then they could just start here and we could run through. And it's like, they don't need to really know all of the previous stuff. It's just like, here's what's happening now. And looking at this, it goes from levels one to 11 or one to 12, I forget. And uh, you can start at level one. But really, getting from one to five is just you being a part of Ten Towns and getting to know the people there.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: from the you know from that those first five levels, you're doing various little missions for people in Ten Towns. You're running around and you're uh, helping them out. Getting to know the lay of the land, but it's still a little too dangerous for you to go out into the tundra of Icewind Dale, so you're just kind of helping people out. But through that, you can set up a base of operations. The town really likes you, so you'd be able to, like, buy a house there. And so you can have a home within within 10 towns, which is really cool, and I like that a lot. Um, And then at level 5, it's like, okay we got to go check out this stuff that's ha- like rumors are like happening way in the deep of the frozen tundra. We got to go check it out. Um mm-hmm. And then you go and you explore that and things like that. So uh, I was not super keen on just like playing this, Um but, or I didn't want to start another game at level one because I'm tired of level one, but sure. this, you really could start at level five, super easy. Mm-hmm. Um And it's kind of like that. I feel like they learned a lot from storm Kings thunder with that chapter that's just like, go and explore, you know, and it's just kind of this sandboxy area. That's what it feels because there's a, there's a, 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 a table of 10 towns and you can roll on it and you're like, okay, my party's going to start in this one, Bryn Shader, or some, you know, one of the 10 towns. And then mm-hmm. here's the quest that you can do in that area. So it was really cool.
0: Yeah. I like how Chris Perkins had said that they were, when they were thinking about building this one, they were thinking about location, Icewind Dale, they hadn't done a lot of stuff there. Um, they were really wanting to bring the environment in on an adventure so that Mm. they kind of chose this one to focus in on that. But he did call it a sandbox campaign. And then Jeremy had mentioned also that they learned some lessons from their essentials kit where you could really take pieces and parts from the book and you don't have to do them in the order from page one to page, you know, however many there is because you can mix and match them. And they wanted to do that in this book also. So he he thought that this book... Really would feel very sandboxy, but also little sandboxes that could be played in different orders too, yeah. depending on what the Dungeon Master wanted to do. And it sounds like they nailed it. Just by the way, you're just talking about what yeah. you read last night. They nailed what they were, they were saying they were trying to do. So a very sandbox type adventure, which means that leaves it very open for a Dungeon Master to improv, put stuff in, add stuff in but also puts it in so that they can do it in any order they want. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy had said one thing, that this hopefully adventure would be easier to prep because you could really focus on the part of the sandbox that you're in and you don't really need to know all the other pieces mm-hmm. to get going. You don't have to look that up until your players actually get there. Like
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, for sure. And they even later on, like after you leave 10 towns with all of those little little side missions, there are three big plots that are kind of happening all at the same time. And that's also I mean, it sounds like, oh, well, why? Why do we have three pots plots? Well, it's kind of set up that you as a dungeon master, which one is your party interested in? If they're really focused on this thing over here, then you can take that and, you know, go and do that. Uh, and so I like that as well, where you weren't tied into just doing, um, uh, I don't know, like, it's not a big, not a big secret at this point, but there's like a sunken, uh, Netherese city that's under the ice and how yeah. it got there and what it's doing there but there are a bunch of like wizards and stuff that are coming to Icewind Dale cuz they've heard about this and they want those like ancient magical artifacts uh and so that is one possibility for you to save Icewind Dale another possibility is for you to go fight this guy that's trying to take over the the not the world but like Icewind Dale as a whole and another one is just like we're going to go talk to the frost maiden uh, a real directly and find out why she's doing this, you know. Right. Um and depending like if you have a lot of wizards or a lot of clerics or druids, they might go in different directions, you know, based on character choices. And mm-hmm. another really cool thing is they incorporated secrets. Yeah. So, uh th- there are cards that you can photocopy in the book and um your players could either choose a secret or they could do that you could openly talk to your se- talk to secrets about other players, but uh, or you could keep them secret, like they're kind of mm-hmm. supposed to be, uh, but it adds an extra level of like, oh, yeah, we're walking down here and it's like, you see this and everyone's like, okay. But that one guy who has the secret that's related to that is just like, all right, uh, I-, I have something to tell you. Like, we need to go take care of this right now. And it's like, what? <laughs> and so that's that's a fun, players like to have something that they can uh, spring on the party in a way. Just like mm-hmm. dungeon masters like doing that too. It's like, oh yeah, you guys were in a dream the whole time. This is uh, inception, the game. Uh, right. Anyway, so that's in, a really cool the- aspect. And, and like we were saying earlier, I think that they are doing a really good job of uh, of learning from their past stuff that they've written. You know, right. like we're seeing like a progressive. Well, except I didn't really care for Baldur's Gate: Descent into Avernus, but that's another story.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think the idea with the secrets too is a very fun thing to give players to kind of hold over each other. And it's a mechanic that works not only for the characters, but it's a fun thing that's happening with the players. Cause the players can get some interaction mm-hmm. with each other trying to figure out. Cause everybody will know basically that everybody got a secret, but nobody knows who got what secret or yeah. what the secret is or, and then how do they get the secret out without letting their secret out? And then sometimes the adventure might throw your secret out in front of everybody and now it's out there and now what do we do type thing. And so that's a really cool, fun mechanic to throw into the idea that you're in a world that's a very isolated feeling world. And and Mm -hmm. I think as a dungeon master in this venture, you want to really kind of focus in on that isolation, focus in on what it means to be out in this area and everybody there, the players have secrets, so you should immediately imagine that everybody that goes to icewind dale the only reason anybody puts up with that type of a harsh frontier is they've got bad secrets too right yeah. <laughs> cuz if they could live in the sunny beach area and 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 you know drink mai tais all day they would have done that yeah. but nope something happened now they're up here
1: <laughs> yeah and there there is like no sunlight it's just really dark really harsh everything and so i don't know Another really cool thing I liked about this is that because it's so modular and stuff, this is a good book for one shots. Like if you have a new group of people and you're just like, hey, do you want to do this? You could open this up and be like, all right, you're in this town. This guy has contacted you because there is a Yeti problem and he needs you to go take care of it. And Mm -hmm. like there's your two hours of D&D get it they get yeah. to talk to this person maybe there's some kind of skill challenge to get there they have to figure mm-hmm. out a puzzle of like well not not a literal puzzle but like just how do we uh go through the snow without this you know they take care of the problem they come back they get a reward wow d d was fun well we could keep playing because i've got yeah. a whole book here you know? <laughs> yeah and if you didn't go. like that we can go do something else <laughs> uh but it's yeah i i like it a lot so
0: very cool um yep go ahead so how, how many um, artwork is going to be good in Artwork's there? Amazing. Was there any, most of it's dungeon master stuff. Did we get anything player centric in this book? I didn't know if we didn't get classes or races that um, got introduced. They,
1: they updated the Goliath race. So the Goliath oh, race okay. is in this book because Goliaths mm-hmm. are from the North and stuff. And mm-hmm. now Goliaths have a uh, cold resistance okay. um, as a racial feat. And I think they, they up, upgraded uh D beyond so if you go to volos where the goliath originally was oh, okay. he now has cold resistance it's just uh, a ninja update that they did um there's a couple magic items but they're very tied to the story so uh-huh. it's kind of like uh but there are there are two new spells one of them is called frost fingers and it's kind mm-hmm. of like burning hands um where burning hands does a cone of 3d6 this does a cone of frost that's 2d8 um oh, okay. so that's kind of cool and it's it like can be upscaled and, and things like yeah. that um and then there's a really cool spell called uh blade of i want to say disaster or disaster blade i should have looked this up beforehand i apologize <laughs> um but it's a ninth level spell ooh okay uh, for wizards in game and <laughs> game yeah 100% and so it really kind of I think it I think it's there because there's a there's some like rogue intelligent spells that are running around in so the new monsters there are these like mm-hmm. uh, living spells and one of them is this uh, blade of disaster and stuff it's kind of interesting that's cool Uh, let's look at magic and wizard spells blade of disaster. I was right. So it's a bonus action and concentration for a minute. And you create a blade shaped planar rift about three feet long. So you have this sword that actually isn't a sword. It's a, it's a dimensional portal, but it's so thin that you can wield it like a blade and you make magic attacks, magic melee attacks with it. um, And it does 4d12 force damage. Uh, Which is like, okay, that's kind of cool. But you can score critical hits on a 20, a 19, or an 18. And when you score a critical hit, it does an extra 8d12 on top of the 4d12. So every critical hit, you're doing 12d12 force damage. (laughs) And you can, like, let it go, and it can, like, go around... I think six thirty feet of you. Bonus action, you can move it around for thirty feet. And Almost it like a
0: spiritual weapon. It is,
1: kind of thing. yeah. Only like it's it. like a cool spiritual weapon. No, spiritual yeah. weapons are a great spell. Uh, the the downside is it's concentration, but much like uh, Mordenkainen's Canaan's sword or something, uh, there's a there's a seventh level spell that's a lot like uh, spiritual mm-hmm. weapon, but spiritual weapon is better in every way. Um, right. This is kind of like, yeah. Yeah, you can, uh, anyway, because it's also a uh, a planar rift, it can go through uh, barriers really easy, like just harmlessly, like mm-hmm. boon, it just floats right through them because it's literally bending space around it, I guess. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, there's a seventh level transmutation spell called Create Majin, which is mm-hmm. uh, you create a construct. Um, mm-hmm. using some stuff and you actually use a bit of your own blood. And when you cast this spell to create these constructs, uh, it lowers your hit points permanently by a set Ooh. amount. And even if the construct dies, those hit points never come back. Like you've just, that's what that's your sacrifice to create this creature, Wow! Uh, which I thought is kind of cool because it, makes an interesting sacrifice and they're strong creatures i don't know if they can be healed or repaired i assume you could like repair them somehow uh they didn't have a lot of information on that but uh it's because
0: you're not creating a bunch of those then you might get one or two off ever and well then you'd yeah be like well, i got hit points i can't keep giving exactly. them exactly <laughs> i mean you could create an
1: army of them and have one hit point point. and i say Ooh. army you could create like a dozen maybe but yeah. like that's a lot of money, first of all, because it costs money to do that. And then on top of that, you ugh, it's yeah. So I don't know. But I like I like having that sacrifice, you know? It's kinda mm. cool. Yeah. Um and, and that was it. So player centric, no. But yeah. uh, and the magic items are like I said, they're very tied to the to the yeah. Oh, there was the scroll of Tarask summoning. That's kind of fun. Everybody um, needs one. Everybody needs one of those. Oh, and there's something called a Professor Orb that basically acts like a Alexa or a Siri. Oh, like nice. it just follows you around, and you're like, "Hey, Professor Orb, what's the like blah blah blah?" And it'll tell you things, and it's kind of fun. It uh, needs and it a name. It needs a cool name then. Um, but no, I I think I mean it's an adventure. It's mostly for players 100 or for uh, DMS. Dun- uh, but Dungeon, yeah. I think it's a really cool adventure. I like where it's going. I like the whole thing. Um, and I like how modular it is. And it's kind of like, uh, it just reminds me of all the good things of ghost of Saltmarsh. marsh. And I, and I like that a lot. So yeah, very cool.
0: Well, yeah, if I was going to run it for sure. And I knew I had a group, I probably would get it on my roll 20 then. Cause I'm sure they're offering it there. Um, cause then you get all the maps and all the tokens and all the lighting and everything and, and all that stuff's ready to go for you to play it. So that'd be kind of cool. Um, well, that's interesting. It's, I think it's a cool one. I think I love the artwork to it. I love the atmosphere yeah. of it. I like it takes us to a different area we haven't really been into. We get a little bit off the Sword Coast in a way, much more north. But um, yeah, well, that's kind. And
1: cool. Icewind Dale's. I mean, it's it had uh, two video games, Icewind Dale one and two yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah. And it's had it's had a lot of stuff uh, uh, in that in that aspect. And Ra Salvatore's whole crystal shard um novel series takes place in Icewind dale uh so it's not an unfamiliar place but it is uh, unfamiliar from the previous adventures that we've been getting you know right
0: so. and it's nice to get fifth edition up in there um yeah. to kind of represent some of that too so yeah I do really we like think it. it's the last forgotten realms adventure or do we Ooh. think there's still another forgotten realms adventure coming like what big city haven't we done or what big area we haven't done besides heading out to
1: i mean calum shan um you think they would do those? Go go real south on the Sword Coast. That's the only thing I can think of. Unless they want to just jump over to Fae, something Fae. interesting like that. You know, they're surprised of, they haven't capitalized I mean, on a
0: good Thay adventure.
1: We've had Thay villains in a lot of these adventures, yeah. but we haven't had you know Thay. Uh, boy, I have. I mean, of the three years, four years now, I've been making YouTube Forgotten Realms videos. Uh, I always think I'm going to run out of stuff, and then I uncover one little thing and i'm like what the and then i just rabbit hole of information <laughs> so if they wanted to they could make adventures till they're blue in the face but uh, sure. who knows they might be you know i think they they like these magic the gathering um source books and maybe that's another thing like it wouldn't surprise me if they made not necessarily a hard cover but what if they made a soft cover like here's three adventures in ravnica you know, there's a lot of Magic: The Gathering people that would be like, "Well, now I can utilize my Ravnica book that I bought, yeah. my setting, and I've got these fun adventures to play, and they're all themed in Magic: The Gathering." Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Now that I think say that out loud, I'm kind of surprised they haven't done something like that. But.
0: Yeah. Well, we know we've gotten oh, we've gotten Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate. We kind of got Cholt. Um. So Port. Naranzaru. Port Nanzaru is yeah, that's Cholt. Then we got Icewind Dale. Um, we really haven't gotten there um that one takes part in water deep and then heads out but in there yeah we get what dagger fall we haven't really gotten but that's a town not really a city the one i i keep thinking Lusking that
1: they is a Luskin big city maybe. that we haven't really done but
0: not very big but yeah yeah what about silvery moon we haven't got anything out of silvery yeah. moon which is a big kind of it's got a elven touch to it it's got a, a magical district that's almost harry potterish in some ways with uh you know with the um uh i'm trying to think of the the school of magics that are there and mm-hmm. i think that'd be a really cool place that they haven't really touched on either i loved it when i got my players there for the first time running storm king thunder because storm king thunder takes you everywhere in the sword coast which is yeah. really cool you have a chance to do anything and everything with that one because it is one of the most detailed forgotten realm adventures i've ever seen if you read through that book if you want to know a lot about forgotten realms or at least playing your adventures or putting your campaign in forgotten realms i definitely recommend picking that one up for sure because like you said chapter three when you go to sandbox mode it's like crazy cool the stuff they've put in there about the different places on the map and it's humongous all the stuff that's going on so, very cool. Well, I guess that one's cool. I know I'm super excited for Tasha's, which is the one after that, which is the more player-centric book that we all get more options. I know that we're in Celebration D&D right now for this weekend. I mean, we're having our our Saturday morning D&D show during the 2020 D&D Celebration, which is cool. They're streaming right now if you've been watching that. Did you catch any of the celebration thus far Mr. Jordan uh
1: yeah I watched the uh Chris Perkins and Jeremy Crawford spoke uh together about mostly rhyme of the Maiden and just why it was cool and a couple of like design going forward with Tasha's um there was a game yesterday that I caught a little bit of mm-hmm. um and then uh This morning I was talking with Ted from Nerd Immersion and he's just like, dude, this interactive map for the D&D celebration has got all these like Easter eggs going through. He's like, look at this stuff that I got. And I'm like, what? So I actually (laughs) was planning on watching it or kind of seeing what the coverage was. And then I spent all morning trying to figure out puzzles so yeah. if you guys aren't aren't aware of it if you go to the DD beyond S- celebration not DD beyond sorry if you go to the DD celebration 2020 website uh there's a big map and within the the pictures like if you click on uh Bryn shader or the spire of netherill or something you'll find uh a, a big thing of art from the book um, and then sometimes there's interactive stuff within that that open puzzles. So uh, th- basically Easter eggs. Um, and so one of the puzzles that was off of a website, uh, I think it was like comicbook.com p- posted this, and they did the Mind Sliver uh, picture. Uh, and it was a JPEG, and it was like, here's the Mind Sliver. And it was, you know, nothing, nothing changed from Unearthed Arcana that we could see. Uh, but there's a gelatinous ice cube familiar that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is another spell called Tasha's mind whip. That is another Ooh. puzzle that you can solve. And uh, along with that mind whip, there was Nethery's ghost stories, which is a magic item that uh, let me read it really quick. It says uh, reading from this Nethery's bo- book of horrifying ghost stories for 10 minutes. It grants you advantage on a single related history check and gives the reader nightmares you must succeed on a dc 13 wisdom saving throw to successfully complete your next long rest nice. so you could get advantage on like learning some lore history and and like i said this is a magic item that is probably very tied to this adventure um because when you're exploring things about the netheril it's like, I really need to understand this device. Well, roll a history check and maybe you can figure out how to like use it or something um, or which way to go, you know, you, just a history check. But I, I like that. It's kind of fun. So very
0: cool. And the,
1: uh, the gelatinous ice cube familiar is, is really cool.
0: That needs to be uh, and, added as canon.
1: And I think it is. I think you can use this for Adventure this? League at least because it's got oh, a little Adventure League um, sticker on it. So I think it's an Adventure League thing. Um, and it, it uses the, the statistics of an ublex spawn, apparently, oh, okay. um, but it's uh, which has higher AC and hit points than most other familiars. Um, and a lot of people were saying and can like amorphous go through yeah whatever, like inch inch wide holes and things like that. So but this is oh, technically an ice things. cube, so I don't know if it melts. I don't know, but. Uh, anyway, really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to figure out more. Boy, it's hard. They're just they're really difficult, but <laughs> Yeah, um, well but there's, there's a lot 11
0: of... hours of stream you can go yeah. watch. It's out there, so. Yeah. Uh
1: there's uh but there's games and there's panels. Did you check mm-hmm. it out? Are there any panels that you want to see going forward or Yeah,
0: most of the stuff I was looking forward I think was for today or towards the end of the session um to see what, you know, kind of some of the things they had. I did want to finish watching. I got through most of it. The one you were talking about with Chris Perkins and yeah. Jeremy talking about the design panel. I've gotten a good ways through that one. Um, I had a super busy work week, so it just wasn't able to get in on the Friday stuff as it started, mm. but uh, I'm probably just going to put it on on one screen and be able to do all my other stuff on another screen while I'm backtracking and finding some of the other stuff that I wanted to watch through. So it's pretty good. Yep. But-
1: it looks like uh, literally after, well, a little bit after the show, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, I think, um they're gonna have another panel today that is a just a DM roundtable. and they've got uh Travis McElroy and Satine Phoenix and Deborah Anwol and a bunch of other people. Oh, very um cool. and they're just gonna talk about what it being being dungeon masters. So if you I mean that seems like really fun. Yeah. Um and then what it means to be a bard is at three PM Pacific today, so that's kinda of interesting. <laughs> uh sunday we have some design panels uh weaving asian stories there's you know daniel kwan he's been doing a lot of work with uh Mm -hmm. um not rescinding but like we need to reorganize the oriental adventure guide to not to be less racist and to actually celebrate asian culture as opposed to use it as a stereotype and i thought so he's he's doing really interesting stuff in the world of tabletop uh games and has a cool podcast called asians represent that you should all check out Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, you can just search D&D Wizards, uh, the celebration uh, schedule, and there's a list of events. And then, like I said, they always do lots of live shows. And I think the Venture Maidens are doing something, and they're probably all doing I Hack is so. tonight,
0: right? Yeah, the, the I next. think it was
1: last night.
0: Oh, yeah. was it last night? So I got to yeah. catch up on the last episode. I watched of
1: uh, I watched an hour of it. Um, it was fun to have Holly, Holly Conrad back. Uh, oh, nice. She's Strix, basically. She came back, and that was cool. good character. Um, because that is a good character, and she's just a fun person. Person. and i was like i was sad that you kind of got lumped in with all that pro jared stuff and <laughs> you're like oh we we don't like you anymore and and uh you know D D, uh what was it called dice camera action was all canceled and yeah. uh and and a lot of those characters were just like we we miss playing our old characters so uh she was in it and um i lost her name who is the other uh that played the automaton the um the lathander warforge i can't think of
0: her name uh now yeah now i'm on the spot i can't think of it i have her in my um in the game i play which is idle champions of the forgotten realms the computer game on steam which is super fun and i love putting her in in the lineup because she's a good tank for the front oh what is her name (laughs) i'm looking it up
1: um anna prosser yeah anna Anna Prosser. What's the She's really cool. Name? Um, her character's name is uh Evelyn. Evelyn. <clears throat> so Evelyn, anyway, so Anna Prosser's in it playing her Evelyn. Uh Holly Conrad's back with Strix, which is just a fun, cool character. And mm-hmm. uh and then of course Mike Merle's uh, not Mike Merle, sorry, uh Mike Krahulik, um back with Jim Dark Magic um and and all of the crew there. And then the the other guy, I forget him, too. Oh, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of the later ones. But uh, they got their wrestler mm-hmm. friend back again. He's he's played yeah, a barbarian. Yeah. That's really exciting. So that was cool. Yeah, everyone in chat. Anna Prosser, guys. Anna Prosser. And I'm like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. got it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's very delayed, the chat on YouTube. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, I will probably watch that uh, this afternoon, maybe. Or maybe I'll work out some videos. I don't know. Have it on in the background or something. But check out the dnd celebration they're probably going to have some really cool announcement later on or just more tasha secrets probably going to come out yeah and it's a
0: three-day celebration right so it started friday Friday, Friday. yep so yeah and usually towards the end of those there's some type of little hint towards something coming up right so we might get a little hint of something new
1: we'll see. Um, we did get a little hint with the Adventures League Season 10 rules that came out um, that have the customizing origins. Did you look at any of that?
0: I did go through a good portion of the Adventure League. I don't know if I saw the origins part, but I was looking through how to create the character, how, to, um, how they were handling magic items again, how they were handling
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, who you could pick seemed to be a big thing going on. Like what races were allowed and from what books you could you could use so so
1: if you go to appendix one it says customizing Mm -hmm. your origin and this is kind of what uh well this is what tasha's has been hinting at is that uh if you want to play a dwarf but you don't like that i I, like i want to be a barred dwarf but you're giving me strength and uh and constitution. I'd much rather take Constitution and Charisma. Well, you can swap these out, basically, is what they're saying. So whatever D&D race you choose, you get ability score increases, and you can uh, change that. So it says, for example, if you're a dwarf, your constitution increases by two because of dwarf heroes and D&D are just tougher. Um, But, excuse me, this doesn't apply to every dwarf. Like, maybe you were a dwarf raised by humans or something, or you're in a, a something else. And so they say, like, if your constitution is two and your wisdom is one, you could instead increase your intelligence by two and your charisma by one. So you can swap those around. It's up to your backstory, basically. And your backstory so. is a conversation between you and your DM. So if I'm playing, like, a strict Forgotten Realms game, I might be like, no, I kind of want you to do this. But if it's a homebrew game, like, yeah, I... I'm a dwarf that traveled with a troop of uh, actors and jugglers and stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I, that's, that's where they're going with it. So this is a preview of Tasha's. Um, and then languages, it says you can kind of swap out languages here and there. But the big one was proficiencies. So if you have a skill, a simple weapon, a martial weapon, or a tool, you can replace those here and there. So you can replace a skill for a skill. A simple mm-hmm. weapon with a, another simple weapon or a tool. So if I have simple weapon proficiencies, I could instead say, well, I don't want that. I want Thieves' Tools proficiency. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, martial weapon, you can swap with, uh, swap with any simpler martial weapon or tool. So I'm thinking of like uh, the the elves have long swords, but I'm yeah. a very dexterous um, kind of uh, elf. Instead of long swords, I'm going to swap that proficiency with, um, uh, specifically with uh, scimitars. And then Mm -hmm. the scimitar, I benefit from my dex bonus. I still have a cool sword. It goes into my backstory, blah, blah, blah. And so this is the kind of customization that we've been looking for. And they might expand upon this more, who knows, with Mm Tasha's, But for right now, you can kind of just, I don't know, mix and match. And uh, it, it, I don't know, I like it. Uh, I feel like it leaves humans in the dust. Because humans kind of had that, well, we can select everything, but less than, you know, the the elf that gets all of these different proficiencies. So, I don't know. That's, that's the customizing your new character, I guess.
0: Yeah. And it lets you kind of delve into some other non-traditional um, mm-hmm. versions of a character. So, if you, I mean, you probably wouldn't ever, like a halfling that's more like the Tolkien halfling... Where they're supposed to be super dexterous, super fast, they almost like you know the thief. They're really good at the being the thieves, but in D and D, their stats don't match out as well that way. So you might not necessarily you know go that route because you want right pluses to your decks. So you start looking at races that have pluses to decks or something, or you know whatever it might be. But I like the idea that you could have a really smart dwarf who is huge into magic, you know, and yeah. wants to become really cool. So he's super smart. You know, uh, I wanted to
1: make a transmutation dwarf wizard for so long, and (laughs) Eberron allowed (laughs) me to do it, but now this is way better because I can just reconfigure the dwarf proficiencies to be like, no, he's been studying magic his whole life, and he's using that magic to, like, transform this. And uh, it's going to allow players, I think, to make uh, custom worlds that much better, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you're now handed the tools for creating basically custom races uh mm-hmm. and it's it's not you know like the balance is there so i kind of like that
0: but. well and you still can create a character that doesn't have to necessarily match the race you came from so you could play the drow who isn't stereotypically drow you yeah. could play the Duragar character who isn't stereotypically Duragar. Mm-hmm. you know you could play whatever it might be the triton who hates water or you know you yeah. could play any, i'm playing an aracocra that doesn't like flying that was awesome. my kind of contribution to that idea. I just wanted to delve into what would happen if you were playing a bird man who didn't like to fly. What mm. what ends up what happens there? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's gonna be somebody in the community that doesn't like something. Every you know, that's just how it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, some people in chat were saying, like, well, can you be humans with dark vision because you were raised in the underdark or something? Um, again, that's a conversation with your DM, but according to this rule, these rules, no. It's just yeah. ability score preferences or uh, ability score increases that you can swap around and proficiencies with weapons and tools. And mm-hmm. they, in, the, in the guide, they specifically didn't say proficiencies with armor. So uh, I know a lot of people were talking like, well, I'll take Mountain Dwarf and I'll get rid of my armor proficiency for like all these others. And I'm like, well, it, it literally only says weapons and mm-hmm. skills and tools. So uh, I don't think you could take your, you know, armor proficiency and change it. But like, Tasha's might change that. Who knows? Yeah. But as far as, like, I I was imagining it being a bunch of points. And it's like, okay, if you want dark vision for your human, then that's five points if you want this. And that's how I thought they were going to kind of balance it. But this is this is easier, and it's just swapping, which is, mm-hmm. you know, so. So, yeah, no, no dark with. vision humans. Uh, we can't invalidate that dark vision spell that nobody takes Right, everybody just uses a lantern instead. So,
0: And as a dungeon master, you can do whatever you want in your worlds anyway. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can handle And all of us handle dark vision a little bit differently, too. The way we yeah. play it and the way we use it in our games and what it can actually do or not do, mm-hmm. um, how good it is or not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: Um, There was a preview of the Wild Soul Barbarian and the Genie Warlock. We won't spend a lot of time on it because they weren't drastically changed from Mm -hmm. the Unearthed Arcana, but both look cool, and I think it's fun. Uh, There was a really silly uh, typo in the Genie Warlock one. Instead of control Mm -hmm. weather, it was control warmer. And everyone was like, okay, (laughs) But
0: I like the idea, too, that you could make your own rolling wild tables if you finally got a character to play in your campaign, maybe you could create, you have the ones they give you, but you also could maybe work with the player and say, let's make some other cool tables that we might roll on every now and then when you roll double zeros or double numbers, then we'll change to another chart. We'll roll this one and see what yeah. it does and maybe collaborate with them about some different ways there." their the wildness of their soul happens you know things that are that happen kind of like the wild magic sorcerer too yeah same kind of
1: yeah no i have a i have like 3 or 4 i don't know where i got them but i've got a, a ravenloft uh wild magic sorcerer wild mm-hmm. magic table which is kind of fun and it just has like now that you're in ravenloft magic is just kind of weird here and this is what's <laughs> happening and there's an eldritch one i found uh that are just kind of fun to have and it surprises your sorcerer because they're like, oh, yeah. what? Which is what I feel wide magic is supposed to do. Oh,
0: so. now I have another bardic inspiration.
1: Dang. <laughs> Speaking of bardic <laughs> inspiration. Oh, good, one. Uh, good segue, sir. We're going to talk about some bardic inspiration. Are we? Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to play it then.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> you're welcome, YouTube. I have a new bardic inspiration splash screen. Um, <gasps> do it. I did it's really cool you can't hear it but it's really <laughs> <Nice>. awesome <laughs> um and uh yeah what what inspired you this week lucian what is your bardic inspiration
0: well i just had another one there so but i'll go with my original i was thinking about golem wars or construct wars and the idea was you built a campaign around factions that exist in the world and those factions fight against each other using golems and constructs to wage war against each other and what I thought would be cool about that is you could really hone in on the types of um, constructs or golems that certain factions might use represent maybe their their kind of their personality of a faction you know so you mm-hmm. might have more metallic ones for you know certain groups you might have more like flesh golem ones for another group you might have elemental style ones or stone constructions or sand constructions or mm-hmm. water constructs or water golems of some sort just like all these different maybe groupings and they're waging war against each other and then you could have your players either That's all happening around them, but they're still doing adventures while those things are happening or moving around and they see them or directly involve them in the whole war that's going on between them. And maybe the idea is that because each faction is so stubborn, they keep building these constructs and they keep waging war and it's gotten to the point where somebody needs to step in and, you know, d uh, de-weaponize all these countries <laughs> because they just keep ramping up their constructs and they ramp it up their constructs. And if it gets too far, you know, then all of a sudden it's Godzilla fighting, you know, Pacific Rim robots and mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever you want to throw in there. But I, I like the idea from a dungeon master standpoint that you could really use your creativity to figure out what are the the constructs that each faction's making because it represents them. It represents their their ideals it represents their people it represents their culture and then that somehow shapes the
1: constructs that they use in their wars you know and so i thought that'd be kind of a fun yeah like a a dwarf construct would be very different from an elven construct yeah and uh a a human construct and things like that and and you also use the resources you have so like the the necromancers down the way their whole nation is going to make flesh golems and we're gonna have like treant kind of things for elves and you're gonna have like weird stone Mm -hmm. ones and stuff so yeah i
0: think that'd be super fun and then the other one that i just had just because you were talking about wild soul barbarian what about a very cthulhu-esque um adventure campaign where those eldritch gods are just messing with magic so that all your magics that are happening have some type of Randomness to them, or something happens to the spells they're using, and mm-hmm. that's the adventure is trying to get magic back to the way it was before these eldritch gods started messing with whatever yeah. the whatever you call your weave or whatever your definition of the magic in your world is. Yeah, so there's two for you. There's two.
1: <laughs> no, that could be a fun adventure, and and that's like I cast. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a like magic missile but instead of magical missiles, it's like little blobs of acidic slime or something because like magic is literally you're unable to control it as you were before, you know?
0: And it gets worse the closer you get to one of the Eldritch bosses, right? So the closer you get, the worse magic is messed with. So the farther Mm -hmm. out you are, everything seems to work fine, but you know, you're getting closer as your fireball does something that you did not expect your fireball to do or something like that. It's like an explosion of daffodils or something, you know, just something crazy.
1: So, yeah, yeah. it's just crazy. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah. What about Jordan? Sorry. My Bardicades, uh, inspiration came. I think we talked about this before, but I have been looking into familiars lately and, uh, I like the fine familiar spell and I'm actually using a variant familiar from the witch plus craft. Uh, they did a Kickstarter. Um, really, really cool book. Uh, and I like familiars. And so I had this idea of like, what if we had uh, what if all of, what if the adventure is everybody's wizards got trapped somewhere and it's up to the familiars to save them. So you're all going to play these like silly little animals that have to like infiltrate and rescue your wizard from some magical thing Um, And I like that. And I don't have any ideas really past that, but I like the idea of like, I play a little piggy bank and you're an imp and you're a gelatinous ice cube. And we're just like, what do we do? Like our masters are trapped in this tower and you have to figure out using the skills you have, how do you get there and how do you sneak past things and... Yeah.
0: Quasits and imps and pseudo dragons and owls and rats and snakes and all kinds of cool stuff that they're all smart too. They all have. They're smart and they're,
1: they can have a a level of magic maybe if you wanted to make it a little easier Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe they know how to like, Oh, well I know that my master has these potions. We'll go get them and Mm -hmm. we'll carry them around and we can drink these potions to enlarge ourselves or make ourselves smaller or whatever. I don't know. I like it. So, i don't know like that's that would be a fun if your party got tpk'd or something and then it's like okay you guys got to play all these familiars to like rescue your your main character out of jail like i like that so that is fun. fun. i like it yeah but again I've i feel like we've talked pictures. about that before i don't really remember maybe it, yeah.
0: well you guys let us know if that
1: was already talked yeah. about an episode we'll disqualify jordan disqualify jordan he is canceled <laughs> uh lucian we haven't talked about yeah. games in a while because no. like we've just had long episodes uh what are you doing what are you playing these days what's happening
0: dungeon of the mad mage i mean we went right from Waterdeep, had a great adventure in Waterdeep, and then moved right into dungeon of the mad mage so i'm definitely doing dungeon delving every week um we're down on level two ish We're i think we're almost done with level two we might be ready to go down to level are there 20 three now. levels i think so yeah there's like i think there might be more than that there's like 24 26 levels of the dungeon of the mad mage This is crazy, crazy. Um, we've been tasked by Acquisitions Inc., our parent company, to map the dungeons. So we're really going in and we're not just trying to find the quickest way down or through it. We're, you know, we're going through and really mapping the, the biggest area. And we got to yeah. do about 85, 90% before we can really move on as part of our contract. So that's what we've been doing. And that's cool. And what it's taught me again, once again, um, of the adventures that where you might say, if you're doing a fun house adventure and it's this dungeon and you're trying to figure out the logic behind why is there a group of dwarves in this room and then 50 feet down the hallway, there's this other group of something else that hates goblins, but yet mm. they they exist in this dungeon and how do they get there and how do they eat and how do they, you don't have to think about any of that stuff. I like the dungeon <laughs> of the mad mage. Is a dungeon of the mad mage things are there because he's a mad mage it is a fun house it is a a weird thing you know that going into it and that allows you to really dig deep when you're the dungeon master or making an adventure like this to pick and choose iconic characters that you want the party to encounter without having to come up with the reason why they would have to encounter it right so my example was like we were in a room where we were fighting a bunch of slimes and, and gelatinous cube stuff and then immediately just down the hall then we get into a big manacore fight and then down the hall you know we get into some other big undead fight and we're fighting ghouls and gas and all kinds of stuff That's and awesome. it just all these iconic things can happen in this dungeon and we don't have to worry so much about how does a griffin live down here how does it eat where does it get its food those kinds of things we can just fight them we're going to get to fight them we can fight a black pudding we fought um and we fought some slimes which was really cool keep trying to think of the iconic ones yeah because you're just like
1: i yeah like
0: flaming skull you know (laughs) it was that was different, and and then within that, there's this little story that's kind of unfolding as you're exploring stuff, and we just kind of uncovered one of the apprentices of the Mad Mage, mm. um, which I think is kind of cool to see some of the history about what's going on in this place, and the place can change and move and and react to what's going on. So it's a it's an adventure that many people might jump over it's an adventure that many people might say wow it's a bunch of dungeon diving and i'm i'm a huge rp person and i don't really like all the dungeon diving but man, did i really like the idea that at some point i'm going to get to say i'm sure we'll fight a beholder i'm sure we're going to fight um you know just there'll be a dragon in here somewhere there's going to be all these iconic type of creatures that you want to fight are going to get in here somehow and you're going to get your, get your party to go up against these things. Mind flayers. I'm sure will show up somewhere. They're going to have, we're going to fight drow. We're going to fight Durgar. We're going to fight, you know, just anything and everything's going to pop up in this, that um, I think it's going to be great. So I'm enjoying it. I'm having a really good time. Sixth level at the moment, we're about to hit seventh level. I'm going to multi-class for the first time playing in a campaign. I've always theory craft multi-class characters, but I've never really played one starting from, one to you know wh- wherever we're going to multi class. Mm-hmm. This would be the first time I get to. I'm doing six levels of fighter and I get to move into my levels of um cleric and I'm going to do Queer, cleric of the twilight domain. Okay, um, that's a, a UA article, UA, UA, really right? cool. Okay, yeah, UA article was really cool. And I'm playing this Eric Coker who decides um he just has an affinity with the underground, not above ground. So I'm just trying to lean into this. Whole thing where I might even stop using my wings and I might start, you know, he just like a whole thing he's going through that in my mind that nobody else in the in the party probably cares about, but in my mind there's this whole thing going on with this character that I just found interesting and I'm enjoying exploring, which is the best part about being you know playing a character.
1: Yeah. No, it's funny. I wonder if it's one of those like I was accidentally transformed into an air cocera at birth, but I'm actually a Snorfeblin or something. (laughs) And so I
0: just, I just like this idea or you know, what would it be like to be a, the terror of the dark, but you are, you are an Aarakocra, something mm -hmm. that just that under dark doesn't, know about yet as much you know, they're not ready for the terror of the you know Hawkman coming yeah. in so
1: yeah and i think uh you know different different games and different game styles for different people um mm-hmm. and this is a uh, a style and dungeon of the mad mage was made for people like you that want to just have a fun dungeon crawling experience mm-hmm. that's not for everyone but either is super heavy role play things like you don't see right. you know those those people that want to number crunch and actually like you know, play this game kind of, kind of more tactfully, those aren't the people that are running out to play uh, monster of the or, week and have yeah, relationship, you know, style. things yeah. like that. So it's just different yeah. for different people. So I think that's a, a great, um, a great thing to say because lots of, like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that aspect too. And with the right group that all kind of tact of tactically wants to play like that, it's kind of interesting. So yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It was fun too. One of the characters ended up being, every time he sees a were-rat anywhere, he immediately attacks it because his character has some type of problem with were-creatures. We fought some were-rats. He got bit, he failed his con save, and he contracted the were rat yeah. therapy. So he's having to deal with that and it's coming out in the RP of the game. And it's been really fun to, to really dig into mm-hmm. the idea of that and to play that out. So it is fun. Like, like you said, having the right group that really kind of dives into their characters and, and all have a similar, what they want out of the game. If you want a tactical game and you like moving minis around and you like um, the lighting on roll 20, and you're just really cool about that. That's, you know, you want a group that likes that. Or if you're the group that's just loves theater of the mind, they love the story, they love the intrigue, they love the plot twists. You know, be make sure your all your group likes that, and your DM is master at that, and you're going to have some of the best games that you just want to talk about for hours and hours and hours. You know, when you get your friends to sit down and listen to you. But yeah, what did Jordan get to play? He's got a bunch of time to tell us about all his games.
1: Um, well, yeah. So, uh, well, I'll talk about Route of Seven Parts. Um, mm-hmm. my uh, players are trying to get the sixth rod fragment so they have five of them and that has led them to a weird extra-dimensional space and i've been having a lot of fun with this because uh it's like i think 300 yard diameter like world and in the book, if you read, they haven't really explored this, but in the book, if you dig far enough, you hit a barrier that's just like, no, this is as big as the world is. And if you mm-hmm. fly up high enough, it's like, nope, there's the roof. Like, it's, you know, you're <laughs> it's in It's like a, a game. <laughs> yeah, e- yeah, it's like a game world almost. And you're yeah. just kind of like, what are we doing? And it's a big graveyard and there's a weird evil temple in the uh, center of this area. Um, so they fought some undead. They're kind of like running around. They ran into a guy named Jory Stable who is, uh, claims to be a vampire hunter and he's here to kill vampires. And the whole module is kind of just leading them in weird directions. And I, I was, I'm looking forward to when they solve this area and they leave. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, what did you guys think of that? Because it is just like misdirection after misdirection after misdirection. And it's kind of interesting like that. So they went into this, uh, temple and they fought some dragon devil creatures called the, uh, a Bishi or a Ab- Um, that are found in uh, Descent into Avernus, actually. The the stat blocks in that Mm -hmm. book, I think. Um, And Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, maybe. I don't remember. But uh, so that was fun. They fought some of these dragons and more weird clues, like why are they here and things like that. I don't really understand. Uh, They found basically the guy that runs the temple who approached them and said, I have this rod fragment. And if you want it, um, I need to know I can trust you. Like, what are you going to use it for? And all of them, except Laguin, which is Ted's character, kind of admitted that they were like, well, we're going to use it for selfish purposes. Like, one of them's like, I want to give it back to my government. And the other one's like, well, I want to give it to the Zintarum," And this one's like, well, I want to use it to, like, restore my god, my my patron to deity status and things like that. Uh, so it, it was just, it's just kind of funny and interesting. Um, <laughs> and so he's like, well, you should go take care of that Jory guy because I don't like him. And basically like, I want you to go do that. And so they're kind of in a do we do we trust the evil thing over here or the evil thing over here? And they're like, I don't know what? Yeah. What do we do? So that's where we left off is they're trying to make a decision about what to do with this vampire hunter who doesn't really belong there and, and the vampire hunter's like, You need to go take care of the guy in the temple. Like he's the real bad guy. And they're like, Well what? And I don't know. <laughs> so uh lots of fun role play, lots of I like confusing or I don't know, keeping my players on their toes and Right. This has been a lot of fun. But well,
0: last week you talked about you were going to build a map because you wanted the fight to be tactical and you wanted you. Did you end up doing that or did you end up not doing that?
1: No, uh, I didn't want the fight to be tactical. I I wanted them to because I was bad at describing it is really what it came down uh, to. So I wanted to do the temple is like a dungeon that they can explore, mm-hmm. um, and I and since I was kind of bad at describing it, um, I. Was like, you know, my my inclination is just to show you the map so that you guys know what I'm talking about, because it's kind of difficult for me to be like, (laughs) well, I know I mm, it's not actually like that. So I did build a roll 20 just for them, um, and it has the whole dungeon there and then uh, no dynamic lighting or anything. And I have one icon that represents the whole party. But basically, I can be like, you guys are here. You see that you can go east or west and north. Where would you like to go? And so then they're like, oh, OK, like, we'll go this way so they can kind of get a lay of the land. Um, and when we left, they wanted to go to uh, the, the upstairs to like the roof area. So we'll see what's up there. And they're just going to explore this and we'll see what happens. Uh, they have run into a weird creature with uh, glowing red eyes that was slowly walking towards them. Uh, and I was kind of surprised they decided to go back in because I was like, that, that thing's still in there, but okay. Glowing red
0: eyes are never good. (laughs) How Can that ever be good?
1: (laughs) Um, and then my wild mount game, uh, we're underground in some kind of weird, uh, laboratory area trying to figure out where we're going. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I just, I don't know. My character's name is Josh and I love him so much. And he's a, he's a blue tiefling that is a conjuration wizard. Um, and I've been enjoying um, conjure elementals. So I've been conjuring these air elementals that fight for us. And they roll their own initiative, but I control them. So it's kind of fun. I get like two turns per round, which I kind of like. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I can only hold on to him for an hour, and then I have to like let it let it go. And when you do, after an hour, there's a choice of like unsummoning it. But if I lose concentration on it, the air elemental doesn't go away. It just it fights, uh, you fights everybody. Bur- right. Yeah, so that's mean. been kind of fun. Uh, because it's like, oh, uh, and then I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, we have the, the, uh, uh, UA new summon things. And, um, there's a UA elemental for, or a summon for elemental creatures that Mm -hmm. scales up with your spell slots. And I, and that one, when you lose concentration on it, it just disappears. So it's kind of like a safer way to have a pet. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to my DM and he's like, oh yeah, throw it in there. So when I level up, I'm going to take that spell and we're going to utilize, uh, this new, um, summon elemental spell, uh, and we'll see uh, what it turns into. It could be a lot of fun, um, Yeah, I went but summon I, heavy. I like I having pets. I've always been a pet class yeah. kind of guy, <laughs> yes. uh, with like final fantasy. <laughs> I was a summoner and like, I played a yeah, puppet yeah. master and a beast master and, and I tried to get a the Beastmaster Ranger, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted with fifth edition. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to try this Conjuration Wizard. And uh, but we have a lot of fun because uh, the Conjuration Wizard, one of their like perks is that they can just like conjure things out of nothing. But mm-hmm. they're always glowing, and they don't last very long. But I love doing it. Like I conjure hats, and I'm just like, oh, look at my glowing hat. Or I'll conjure mm-hmm. like a hammer, and like we have a hammer, um, and. That's just been so much fun to be like, oh, we need that. Poof. Here you go. And I have it for a limited amount of time and I love that aspect of it. So he's very, uh, yeah, he's just kind of silly and fun. Like, like me, but yeah. Um, We are not playing tonight because uh, a couple members are out for the evening, myself included. Uh, I've got other plans this evening. So uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, but we're just kind of exploring this area, trying to figure out like what's going on and, it looks like they are experimenting with dragons and creating weird dragon hybrids. Uh, whoever, whatever dungeon we're in, we don't even know is really how they your
0: timeline part of the same timeline as the Critical Role game? Or have he, has he said your actions where they fall within the universe of the, my, yeah. the Matt Mercer game actions?
1: um Basically, my DM said that, uh, yes, Critical Role is there. He's like, but he didn't want to try and match up events. So, mm-hmm. uh He's like, just take critical role out of the equation. Like they're not they're not on this like this is your adventure in the world, and that's their adventure in the world. And so that's how we've been treating it. So we've ran into various characters that uh, Matt Mercer has created, but we haven't run into the mighty nine, and I don't think we ever will. You know, mm-hmm. there's just no reason to. But the timeline's
0: so. kind of similar.
1: I think so, because that's the only oh. timeline that's there. Like we're not playing mm-hmm. hundreds of years in the past. Hundreds of years before so, or whatever. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah very cool yeah that's it uh but yeah i gosh i'm having lots of fun i want to i want to play more characters now that uh uh now now i really want to get to ninth level spells so i can get that blade of disaster and just cut people up with a planner rift that's really cool so that sounds badass (laughs) it's awesome I'm not all right lie. take us out jordan uh that is our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for liking and subscribing and all those wonderful things we would love to have you rate us on itunes and various other things i apologize for not releasing the podcast on uh the correct time as i finished editing it but did not upload it for some reason so that's really fun um we will uh see you all next week with another episode of the saturday morning D show hopefully talking about the various interesting things that are going to be announced we'll see Uh, Until then, take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.